All right, welcome to another episode. Today we're going to be talking some Giants with no other than the host of the Talking Giants podcast, Justin Pennick. Thank you for joining me today, you know, talking some Giants. Let's do it. No pun intended. That's what I always say. You know, let's <laughs> talk some Giants, no pun intended. No, but James, thank you for having me on. Uh, we were just saying before we press record, it's always nice to do these, you know, appearances or what are interviews, whatever, and the teams win it. The Giants are winning. And that's uh first time, at least in my, you know, my my media career that that this has been happening. So happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. And uh big fan of the stuff. And if anybody wants to go check it out, you know, he's got his podcast talking giants, and it's always good, you know. Basically, I would say daily content, kind of really hourly content, always updating on the Instagram, uh, Twitter. You can check them out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, but yeah, let's get right into it. Let's talk some Giants. Um, you know, you were there opening week, and you know, the big video, you did not go there to lose. It blew up. Um, and it was awesome. One, that win, I think, really just started the the shock of the New York Giants, really what they are. You know, seven and two going into week eleven now. Did you think in that game when you were there after that win that they would be seven and two at this point in the season? Or did you think like, hey, you know, I'll take that win? No, I did not think they would be seven and two. Really at that point, like, you know, you have your Monday, your Monday thoughts, which is just victory Monday. Holy crap, we did it. And then by Wednesday, I'm thinking, please please don't make that Tennessee game and that missed field goal and that two point conversion, you know, Brian Dable showing off, you know, the day, the day balls of steel, you know, don't let that be the moment of the season. Like we look back and, you know, 2019, it was some Daniel or no, it was Daniel Jones's, you know, his debut, his career is his first career game. That was the big moment. Uh, 2021, we had the saints game. I mean, the giants have been so bad over the last couple of years that, there's really only one game and one moment of a season that really makes you feel like, oh, I'm a fan. And it, you know, just pure joy. I didn't want that to be the only moment. Um, so really, that's what I was thinking of, a, you know, the, the week following that Tennessee game. And then lo and behold, I don't know if there's ever been a moment that's like top that just like, whoa, you know, like that moment. But the fact that we've been able to stack these wins together, and I think especially in London, L London was really cool doing that on not a primetime stage, but a national stage, because that's the only game that's happening at 9.30 in the morning. The London win was really, really cool um, just to get the rest of the kind of the world watching the Giants do that against Packers. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, you were talking about it a little bit before, too, before we clicked record, that, you know, you're still realistic. This Giants team is – we're not. I'm not going to say that they're one of the best teams in football, but their record does show that. So I am going to – you know, it's it is pretty cool. It's nice to see that you know New York is also doing well. Like the Jets are also doing well, so it is yeah. nice. But they are they are seven and two, so they are kind of legit. I mean, the point differential obviously isn't isn't as nice as you want to see. But you know, the, the strategic the strategy of winning games. You know, Brian Dayball getting them into the fourth quarter and then taking it from there, letting the other team lose the game rather than the Giants really winning. It's been working, and that formula has done really well. And Brian Dayball, since he's come in here, you know, fans have loved him, you know, ripping into Daniel Jones on the sideline. And, you know, it really, that's really, I think when it started and then, you know, going for two, like you mentioned in that opening week against Tennessee, 
it, it really started this whole entire fan base getting behind their new head coach. Everybody loves him. So I want to get, I want to hear your, through the first, his th- first through, through his first nine games as the Giants head coach, what do you think? What have you seen from Brian Dayball besides the energy that he brings? What do you think that Brian Dayball brings to this New York Giants football team? First of all, just they find a way to win, which you talked about, which I mean, that at the end of the day in the NFL, I mean, if you just want to just how do how do teams work? How do teams not work? You know, you win, you win or you lose. And, you know, cer- certainly and we felt a certain way about Joe Judge. Um, the main difference between those two guys is that Brian Gable is winning and he's winning in his first year. Um, I love the offensive uh, offensive concept stuff. It's really, really cool. Um, their their commitment to run the ball, knowing their personnel as well. Where you know coming into this year, you know we're we're kind of contemplating, and this is a wild thought to think of now. We're contemplating does Saquon Barkley get above 1,100 rushing yards? That was something that we were contemplating. I mean, he's gonna get he's gonna get above that within the next couple of games here, and there's still seven games, eight games that are left in this season. So he's going to get above that toll. But we were talking about that because we were thinking that this is going to be an offense that's going to throw the ball. We were still thinking that Kenny Galladay was going to maybe be involved, Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard. We knew the wide receiver depth chart could have been a little bit more injury prone. But still, because of Mike Kafka and Brian Dable, we thought that even if the wide receiver depth chart would look a little weird, that they would be throwing the ball since they came from Buffalo, they came from Kansas City. But they have flipped it on its head. They have flipped it on its head where these pass-heavy coaches Dable and Kafka which I do think that there is part of them that does want to throw it more throw it down the field more they're flipping it on its head and they're doing exactly and it's funny they're doing it what Garrett and Judge wanted to do last year they're doing exactly what they wanted to do so they're knowing their personnel they're knowing their team they're knowing that they have Saquon Barkley uh, at, at running back and they know that they have Andrew Thomas at left tackle and they're letting him cook as well um, and they're adjusting they're adjusting and Wink Martindale adjusts every single week as well. So, you know, Brian Dable bringing in Wink Martindale and then also you know, Mike Kafka was kind of like the wild card bringing him in. I think both of those guys have complimented each other very, very well. Yeah. And you mentioned Wink Martindale and going off him, you know, him coming from Baltimore, I believe, right? Wasn't he with yeah. Baltimore before? Mm-hmm. You know, the defensive energy that Baltimore has always had with the years that he was there. You know, it showed. It showed Baltimore has always had one of a better, always always had one of the better defenses in the league. And then you come here in this Giants defense. When you look at it, they don't really have stars. You know, there's there's young players, young pieces. Like for example, Xavier McKinney. You know, obviously a young player. You know, bye week getting a little out of hand. You know, it happens, I guess. But he's got a. a I'm sure the talent is there for Xavier McKinney. And once she. Yeah. Once he realizes that, I think that stuff will clean itself up. And then Julian Love, you know, he was a late-round draft pick, I believe a fourth or fifth-round pick, and now he's starting to really gel into like a leader, into into not only a leader on the field but off the field as well. And then also Kayvon Thibodeau, I mean, he's not getting the sack numbers that he predicted himself in the beginning of the season, but he's still making an impact rushing the quarterback, and it's helping. So – with this Giants team, I don't really see a guy on the defense where I'm like, wow, you know, but at the end of the day, they're still second in the league in third down stops. Um, yeah. and, that's it's, and, that's cra- That's been the craziest thing this year. Um, I do think a huge part of that is Dexter Lawrence. I, I think Dexter Lawrence like is Dexter. You, you mentioned how there's not a lot of stars and, and you're right. 
but Dexter Lawrence is the star. And I think he's on this Chris Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, Jonathan Allen, Aaron, Do- Aaron Donald's always on his own tier, but you talk about the difference makers at interior defensive line. Uh, Dexter Lawrence is it. Um, and you know, I mean, he, he took over the Houston Texans game. You know, I, I think that Texans game is a lot closer. Now the score was close, but I don't, I think the giants just kind of controlled the game from start to finish. I think the game, we feel a lot more tense about it. If Dexter Lawrence is not on the field, making these insane, having these insane pressures, uh, according to next gen, he had 11 pressures. That's the most that an interior defense alignment that weighs over like 320 pounds has had in a game. He broke his own previous record this year when he had 10. <laughs> so Dexter Lawrence is breaking his own records out here that he's setting for pressures and getting to the quarterback. And also, you know, Dexter Lawrence was known as kind of this run stopper who, you know, will get pressure on the quarterback every once in a while, but he's still doing really well against the run. And the giants are averaging like almost five yards per attempt on the ground that they allow more compared to when he's on the field or off the field. Like the Giants rushing defense is bad when he is off the field. So Dexter Lawrence is is that star. And right now for this entire defense, he is the he is the kind of the you know the the fuel that's making this fire kind of kind of go right now. So is the Giants defense good? That's that's the question. Yeah, and, I think um and Dexter Lawrence, it is really nice to see because last year you know, he ended up not even starting some of the games. I think he only started 10 games last year. And I'm not going to say people were thinking of him as an afterthought, but, you know, there was a little bit of question marks, him coming out of Clemson, you know, is he going to live up to the hype? But now I think, yeah, he is living up. He's not living up. Well, yeah, he's living up to the hype. You know, he's doing yeah. his job. And, you know, he is he is playing like one of the top defensive linemen. He's right up there with all of them. And I do love to see that when you look at his sack numbers, he's already got five sacks and that's already a career high. Yeah. It's a career high. Yeah. So that's, you love to see it. And I think, what do you think? Do you, so do you think Wink Martindale has to do anything with getting the most out of this defense? Because last year, obviously, you know, Dexter struggled and some other, in some other areas, the defense was, was, it was just awful last year. I mean, it's, I think that's the best way to put it. It's been awful for a lot of years. So do you think, and it's, it really hasn't had like a, like Joe Shane didn't really change the the roster that much. So do you, how much credit do you credit to Wink Martindale and the other defensive coaches for this, for this defensive production? Yeah. I mean, I give Wink Martindale a ton of credit because I mean, just look back to Houston, Davis Mills did not know what was coming. I mean, you know, when Wink Martindale shows these cover zero looks where, you have safeties that are standing up in the A gap and the B gap. You have interior linebackers that are lined up here. Like every, you have seven guys that are lined up at the line of scrimmage. They could either all come, or or four of them can drop back, or or you know five of them can drop back. So you really never know what's coming. I mean, there are times where there's one interior defense alignment on the field. There are times where there's zero interior defense alignment on the field, and you have two edge rushers, or, or you have four edge rushers, and two of your linebackers and Kayvon's dropping back in coverage a, a, a decent amount. These are just different looks and they change it every single week. Wink changes it every single week where particularly if you're a bad quarterback, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. And even Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, who is you know, still a pretty solid quarterback, obviously having a little bit of a down year, but think back to that London game where Xavier McKinney gets that pass deflection on that fourth down. I mean, those were looks that they were kind of giving them all day, 
brings that pressure on that fourth down. Aaron Rodgers, you know, doesn't really know that that's coming, takes a gamble, takes a risk, throws to that side. Xavier McKinney gets his hands up, and that's a Giants victory. So Wink Martindale is doing the most. Really, this entire coaching staff is doing the most with the least talent. Um, I mean, just look at how many moves that they've made in season. Really, you, you kind of have to be like a, a niche Giants fan to really recognize the amount of moves that they've made in season with their pro personnel department, their their post-53 man cutdown days. Henry Mondeau, who's an interior defensive lineman, was a practice squad guy that they picked up. Uh, Fabian Moreau, their starting CB2. Like he is their, I think right now he's, he's their permanent starting CB2. Aaron Robinson, who was going to supposed to be their outside corner, he's out for the season. Jalen Smith, their starting Mike linebacker. He was a post-53 man cut down day move. Um, Jason Pinnock, Tony Jefferson, these are all 53-man cut-down day moves that they made, posts that they made. Landon Collins is up there too, but he's not really on the active roster. All moves that they've made, these guys have gotten significant playing time this year, and they're doing well. They're doing well enough to keep this Giants defense afloat. So it's crazy impressive um, what the defense and you know what how productive they've been able to be. Yeah, and now just flipping <clears throat> from defense to offense – I mean, obviously, right off the bat, I think the guy that everybody knows is Saquon Barkley. He's already, like you mentioned, he's gonna he's gonna break a thousand yards, maybe even this week. He should. Um, if lions are bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and it's crazy to think about because you know, going into this season, yeah, like you said, it people were questioning is Saquon, how does he fit on this New York Giants team? And obviously, a lot of it had to do with his health. Mm-hmm. But when he's healthy. You know, you saw it in his rookie season, over 1,600 scrimmage yards, I think he had. Um, in this season, he's well on his way, uh, well on his way, I think, to 1,600 again, yeah. as long as he stays healthy. But Saquon, he really, this has really been a not a turnaround year, but a comeback year for him. So what do you think uh, Saquon has done besides staying healthy mm. this year to really be one of the best, if not the best, running back in football right now? That's a great question because you mentioned 2018 and people will say that this is the best year that Saquon Barkley has had since 2018. That's wrong. That is a very, very wrong statement. He is having a better year this year than what he had in 2018. Now, don't get me wrong. The offensive line, huge factor in that. Huge factor in that. Where maybe if you give Saquon Barkley 2018 the same offensive line, maybe he goes off even more. He also really did benefit from Eli Manning being checked down Charlie his final his you know his final couple of years and he got a lot of work in the receiving game too. But what Saquon Barkley is doing this year, and this is different from what you saw, especially last year in 2021, and even his first two years where he was solid as a pro. You are not seeing negative or no gains. Most of the time that he is getting the ball in the running game, he is staying on schedule. He's getting three, four five yards, six yards consistently. And also the explosive play potential is still there. You know, he's still getting the runs of 10 plus yards, 20 plus yards, maybe not as many highlight plays as you saw in 2018. But when you choose to run the ball in the NFL, when you choose to run the ball, it's not, you know, I'm certainly a, uh, a throw the ball guy in the NFL, but this year running the ball in the NFL is making a comeback because you are seeing how offenses are combating against what defenses are doing. Defenses are trying to limit the explosive pass play. So, Saquon, when you choose to run the ball in the NFL, you want to stay on schedule and you want to stay on script. The worst thing you can do is you could turn a first and 10 into a second and 10 or a first and 10 and turn that into a second and 13, a second and 12. It's like the worst thing you can do. 
but staying on schedule, the major difference between a second and 10 and a second and six or a second and five, or if you choose to run the ball on a second and 10 and you're able to make that a third and five, a third and four, that is such a huge difference in the NFL. And then Saquon Barkley does have the ability and the potential to do this at any time, especially when he runs outside the tackles, to take it 10-plus yards, 20-plus yards, and flip the game script, take your team from midfield, put them in the red zone, or if you're deep in your own territory, get close to midfield, that stuff really matters. He's able to keep this offense on schedule, and that, the gritty Saquon Barkley runs, that is what I have been most impressive or most impressed with Saquon Barkley this year. Yeah, so I guess that leads into my next question. You know, with his contract expiring, do you think that they should franchise tag him, giving him extension? Because obviously running backs, you know, contract history rise, they get it, and then they start to deteriorate. Yeah, It's just the way it is. They get they get a lot of touches. But Saquon, I don't know, because really this is his second full season, if you kind of think about it, maybe even third. So what do you – what would you do if you were Joe Shane? Would you franchise tag him? Would you give him an extension or kind of see how the rest of the season plays out? It's tough. Um, I honestly think this question is even tougher than Daniel Jones right now, which we are going to talk about Daniel Jones. But number one, I trust Joe Shane. Like if this were Dave Gettleman, I'm really shaking in my boots. I'm shaking in my boots being like, look at the to- look at the Todd Gurley's of the world. Look at the Ezekiel Elliott's. Look at Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know, maybe everybody besides Nick Chubb, maybe Dalvin Cook. You know, you're you're looking at those contracts, those major big contracts that running backs got, and every team regrets them. Every single team regrets it every single time. So, I trust that Joe Shane is going to avoid that situation. But it comes to just, you know, comes to the point of, is Saquon Barkley looking for that? Is Saquon Barkley looking for the Ezekiel Elliott contract? Is he looking for the McCaffrey? Is he looking for the Todd Gurley type of contract? Uh, where would he be willing to play on a Nick Chubb-like deal? Because um, I think that's the deal that everybody looks to that makes the most sense. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and be like, I would, I would be okay with a two-year deal and not okay with a three-year deal. Because there's so much what you can do with the player's contract. Like there's so much that you can manipulate. You can front load, you can back load. I hope they don't back load. That is the one thing I will be upset with. Um, you know, you can front load, you can back load, you can do all this different kind of stuff that you know a player will get his X amount of money at any given time, but it's just how do you break it up that makes sense for a team? I if it were me, I would love if he can play on the tag, but can Saquon Barkley, will Saquon Barkley play on the tag? So in my perfect scenario. I would put I would tag Saquon Barkley, but for his own benefit, because I like the guy. I don't know if he's going to do that, and also he may deserve you know kind of a two three year deal there that makes sense for both sides. Yeah, it is a little bit of dilemma with Giants fans. Like you want to franchise tag him, but at the same time, like you know he is Saquon. You want to see him. You want to see yeah. him get his bag because he's been here and he's just a good dude, you know. And yeah. on and off the field, he does everything right. Yeah. Um. But and another guy just had this team has just had a hard time extending its its players yeah. too. So you know how often do we see like you know even the good players that come out of the Giants once every few years? Landon Collins didn't extend him. Washington gave him a a huge contract. Odell, you know, we signed him just to trade him. You know, all the <laughs> we've had some interior defensive linemen that have been good for the Giants. You know, the last couple years, Dalvin Tomlinson, he was a guy that we couldn't extend. So there's, you know, the few players that are good on the Giants 
that we draft, we haven't been able to extend them and keep them on the team for a few years after their rookie contracts. So I think you're going to bring up Daniel Jones. So let's maybe get to him. Yeah. Um, DJ. Yeah. Let's get, yeah. Offensively. Another guy who's doing the right things on and off the field, you know, in the mm-hmm. bye week he was there on Monday morning. I think I saw the report from Kim Jones saying that, you know, Daniel Jones was, he was like one of the only Giants players that didn't go away during the bye week. He was in the building, studying film, trying to trying to just get better. You know, anything that Daniel Jones can do to tell the New York Giants, hey, I'm fully locked in. I want to be here. It seems like Daniel Jones wants to be the quarterback of the New York Giants now and in the future. And, you know, this season, I, I got to say, like he has been – he has been showing me a lot more. I was completely against Daniel Jones, to be honest with you. I thought by the end, I thought by like week six, Tyrod Taylor would be playing quarterback for this team. And by week two, by week two and week three, I was like, all right, like maybe, maybe Jones can do it because I feel like ever since he got ripped into on the sidelines by Brian Dable, we've seen a completely different Daniel Jones where it's all he has to do is not turn the ball over, obviously. And that's kind of been the whole entire formula for his successful season this year. But the, the O-line is still not great. He gets pressured almost almost more than any other quarterback in the NFL right now. And he's doing it without a lot of weapons, too, receiver-wise. So, really, his, only, his best weapon is Slayton, Kenny Galladay, obviously, all the situations off the field with him. And on the yeah. field, he can't even catch a ball. But, um, you know, what, what have you seen from Daniel Jones this year that really turned him into last year where he was a baby quarterback to this year. Well, now he's a NFL quarterback. Uh, I'm going to be honest. And I don't, I don't blame anybody who maybe doesn't follow the giants every day to think like, wow, Daniel Jones has like really taken a step up in his play. I don't think Daniel Jones has taken this massive step up as a quarterback this year. Now that is not, as dismissing Daniel Jones saying that, oh, you know, he's not doing well this year. I just think the the quarterback that we saw in 2020 and 2021, it was a similar Daniel Jones that we're seeing this year, but the main difference is Jason Garrett's gone. I like I I hated Jason Garrett more than Dave Gettleman. I did not like Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman ruined the roster. Dave Gettleman's roster is the reason why, you know, Joe Shane isn't able to, you know, this Giants team maybe isn't even able to compete this year because, you know, this is still uh, partially, mostly Dave Gettleman's roster here, right? But I hated Jason Garrett more um, because I, I think Jason Garrett was forced upon Joe Judge and and all and all these and all these different things. And even though, like you you look at the the advanced stats of Jones's season, the average intended air yards, his lack of deep attempts, those are things that we kind of complained about and targeted. You know, Jason Garrett saying you have to let him throw deep, you have to let him throw deep, but the advanced metrics of EPA, you know, EPA, CPOE composite, like that has Daniel Jones from weeks five to week 10, where also Kenny Galladay has not been part of the offense, by the way. Like when Kenny Galladay has not been on the field, Daniel Jones in this Giants offense has actually been a lot better. So I think Kenny Galladay should not see the field for basically the rest of this year. I don't care how much money he's being paid. The splits are there. The splits are very, you know, they're, they're they exist, but you know, for whatever reason, even though he's not throwing it deep down the field, the explosive passing plays aren't there. His efficiency is awesome. And it is like top five, top 10 
over the second half of the season so far. What does help is that they have a running game. Um, you know, in this in this instance, you know, the run is maybe setting up the pass, but but where Daniel Jones has been most impressive this year is on third and longs. That is where the running game has not helped out Daniel Jones. And that is where if the Giants are going to continue to take these steps up towards the second half of this year, they need to be better on early downs. They need to throw the ball more on early downs because Daniel Jones has shown on these third and longs. Think back to that Green Bay game. Think back to the Baltimore game. And even this past week, the second half against the Texans, all these crazy nutso third down conversions that this Giants offense is making. Now, the most predictable down and distance that an NFL team is going to throw the ball is on third and long. You can say, oh, well, Justin, here's why they don't throw it on early downs. They don't throw it on early downs because they have a bad line and they have bad wide receivers. Both of those things are true. But if you're doing it well on third down, if you're doing well with conventional dropback passing on third down, where a defense knows exactly what you are going to do, and they're good with it, you would think that doing it on early downs would help more and it would be a little bit more unpredictable. So that is the next step that I want to see this offense, not Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has proven that he deserves more trust in this offense. Darius Slayton, I feel, has done enough to show that he deserves more trust in this offense. He has a career-high catch rate. He's averaging over 60 yards per game, but he's only averaging like three catches per game. His yards per reception right now is the highest of his entire career. You drafted Wondell Robinson in the second round, top 50 pick. I get you want to progress these guys along, but you know it's not like Wondell Robinson's a scrub here. You draft him in the top 50. So I think they, there should just be more trust that's put in Daniel Jones' hands. And it's not necessarily because he's improved dramatically as a quarterback from the last couple of years, but he has, imp- he has improved in slight ways, and especially on those third and longs. Yeah, and you mentioned Darius Slayton, and he's a guy that I personally have been a fan favorite of this year just because he wasn't really, even now, I guess, uh, but mostly in years prior, he wasn't really thought about as the guy in the receiver People hate him. Yeah, (laughs) and like he wasn't being thought of as the guy, but I mean, this year, I mean, he's only 25 years old, so he's still pretty young. And 317 yards so far this season. And, you know, he, he almost had 800 in his first two years. And then last year, obviously, was just it was it was a rough season for him. But this year and that but like you mentioned, though, Jason Garrett, Joe Judge, like it was a down year offensively for everybody yeah. on the Giants. So but this year, you know, new coach, you know, it, it's just he needs more targets, in my opinion. And like yeah. you said, I just think. The Kenny Galladay situation is just – it is messing everything up because he's getting paid. And Dave Gettleman has kind of just – yeah, like you said, he he did ruin this team for Joe Shane, and Joe Shane has, is yeah. working his way around it right now. now. I will but, say, you know, and this is just what happens in, in the NFL. If Dave Gettleman doesn't ruin this as much, if Jason Garrett doesn't ruin as much, if Joe Judge doesn't go on that 15-minute tirade last year saying why he deserves to stay, you know, if, if those things don't happen, then – the Giants don't get to a point where they hire Joe Shane, where they bring in Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, you know, Wink Martindale, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, in a way, I'm thankful for all the stuff that went wrong because John Mara really did need that kind of reality check. Um, but you know, they're they're doing it, and you know, we're even. I love that we're at a point now where the Giants are seven and two, 
And these are like nitpicking things that I'm talking about here. Not not a lot of Giants fans are are, are talking about you know th- this kind of stuff. You know, there's a lot of Giants fans will be like, "Well, you know, we're seven and two. Why can't you just be happy?" It's like, no. Well, I want the Giants to do more. And you know, I I wasn't really a a fan of going out and trading for a wide receiver. You know, this year because I realized the where the Giants are this year and like we are playing with house money. The Giants are playing with house money. But as long as they're playing with house money, why not? Like, why not try and go do something with <laughs> the crappy cards that you got right now? Um, so it's a really awesome spot to be in where we're seven and two. We're kind of nitpicking the offense here while we have an insanely good running game. Um, and we're doing it, man. We're doing it. Yeah. And I guess that leads into one of my last questions. So you mentioned you you think that they can do it this year and you want nah. them to do it. Well, not think, but want them. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So I per, I I kind of think that they they could based off the defense that they have and just the mentality and the formula that they have they have won these football games. I think that they can float on with any team in this league and yeah. you know just let the other team lose. But you did mention you want them to go big and and you know you're 7 and 2. You're not Giants when's the next time they're going to be 7 and 2 even with a better know. roster. We, yeah, we don't know. So with Odell on the on the open market and him being throwing the Giants and one of his four teams out there, getting all the fans going, getting really the whole entire media world just going nuts. Do you think that the Giants should go for Odell? And do you think Odell would wanna come back to New York? I think Odell would want to come back to New York because I, you know, I think anywhere that he's wanted he would want to come back to, or he would want to go to, but I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to do it. And I also wouldn't do it either. I'm of, I'm of the opinion and I'm of the belief. And this has been the most annoying thing about social media this year as a giants fan, we're seven and two. And we have a really, you know, we have a solid winning team for the first time since Vietnam. And all I see every day is Odo Beckham jr. Odo Beckham jr. Odo Beckham jr. And he's not on the team. Like I get he was on the team. I get that, you know, he Odell Beckham Jr. was the Giants in the 20 teens, right? He he was the Giants. And that is the reason why people clicked on to watch the Giants. And not just NFL fans, but for a good stretch of time, like Odell Beckham Jr. was the reason why people were Giants fans. And I, I guarantee you, Odell brought Giants fans to New York to root for the Giants. But if you're not on the Giants, like, this is just my thing as a fan. Like, I, I am a fan of the Giants. I'm not a fan of, you know, I love I love Eli Manning, but, you know, even when, if once Eli Manning retired, it's like, all right, I'm still a fan of the Giants. You know, when, you know, the when these guys retire, when they're released, when they're traded, whatever, I am a fan of the Giants. If you are not on the Giants, I you kind of don't exist in my brain. And since Odell was traded, mad about it for a week, all right. You don't exist anymore. So I don't think they should do it, man. You know, this is a guy that's coming off two torn ACLs. And then also people forget, I think he had a torn Achilles in 2017 too. He missed the entire season in 2017 um, after playing the first couple weeks in that disastrous season. Um, you know, he, he tore his Achilles too. That was the first injury that he had. And then he tore two ACLs in like consecutive, you know, years too. So I, I don't think the Giants are in the spot where, they're ready to do that. The Rams, they were in that spot last year. Um, I, the Bills, they're in that spot 
this year. But I, I want, again, I want the Giants to play with house money because when you make a move like that, you're no longer playing with house money. You have put an expectation. You have put, you know, I think an unrealistic expectation too on the roster and on the team that wouldn't, that if the season ended in a bad way, you, it would feel disappointing. I, I don't want, when this giant season ends, I'll be disappointed that it ends that day. But then again, look back at a week from a week from then, I think it'll be like, you know what? That was cool. Like if they make the playoffs and even if they lose like that wild card round, that'll be like, that was really effing cool. <laughs> that that team with that roster, um, you know, those coaches, whatever, that they were able to do that. But if you sign Odell, the expectation changes immediately. So um, I'm not I'm not really for it. And also, I think he wants a multi-year deal. Yeah, which is weird. It's like not do that if you're any team, not just the Giants. <laughs> yeah, and I think the one like the way that he would come back to the Giants is on a multi-year deal. And I, the only way the only way that I would sign him personally is if it was one-year deal, like how the Rams got him last year. You know, rental yeah. help us win. And also, this Giants team, I also agree. Bringing him in, bringing him in, rises the expectations 100. But also, you know, I feel like it would kind of put pressure on Dayball you know, to, to kind of really use him. Oh yeah. A lot. Totally. So we, you know, w- would we see less touches from Saquon? Would we see more, more throws over the middle more that Daniel Jones can probably make, but necessarily shouldn't throw. Yeah. You start, for, you start telling Daniel Jones to force the ball somewhere uh, that, that interception rate and that interception percentage that's below 1% right now. I mean, this is inevitably for any quarterback. I mean, this isn't just a Jones thing. You know, uh, he has the power and the discretion, Jones, especially on these third downs, to do what he wants and do what's open and read the field and read the defense. You know, you, you start telling a quarterback, well, don't really read the defense anymore. You kind of just have to target this guy. Um, you know, it, it complicates things. And especially, you know, we're in – it'll be November, December. You know, we're in November. It'll be December by the time that he's really ready to rock and roll and he knows any kind of sliver of the playbook and – we're in December and now, oh, he is a new wide receiver one. It's like, you know, that's that's tough. Yeah. And lastly, just to end it, um, Philadelphia Eagles, Monday night, they showed the world that they are beatable. And the Giants are now only one game back. So, I mean, they still have a tough schedule remaining. They're still going to have Minnesota on their roster. They play yeah, Philadelphia twice. Good defenses, yeah. Yeah, the, the the schedule is definitely heating up, which is why I personally think this week is a must win against Detroit, although yep. it's not going to be a cakewalk because Detroit can put up points. Yep. Um, but the Giants are good at stop. They're good at getting third down stops. So as long as they keep continuing to get stops on third down, I think they should win. But it, the, the division is wide open now with the Eagles losing, and they still got them twice. So do you think that it's realistic that New York can possibly sneak a division title this year? Or do you think it's more realistic that they get a wild card spot or even fade out? No, I, I think they're in the playoffs. I mean, with, with without a doubt. Uh, I think they're in, they, have a, they have a wild card. I think they're even two games above the 49ers who have the last playoff spot. And, you know, And you got to think about – 49ers are still playing the NFC West. They're still playing the Seahawks and they're still playing the Cardinals who, you know, who could be a little Fugazi and stuff like that. But, you know, the Eagles are still playing the Cowboys. You know, all, all these teams are still playing each other. So you, you never know exactly what's going to happen, especially the Giants. I mean, the Giants have, the Giants haven't played the Commanders 
or Philly yet. And then they have Dallas on Thanksgiving, which I think they are inevitably going to lose. Uh, I, I, I'm afraid of Dallas. Like, if there's a team that I don't want in the playoffs, like Dallas because of their defensive line, and they run misdirection on on offense with their running game. And if you run mis, if you here, you want a way to be, beat this Giants defense, run misdirection. You know, call bunch of bunch of guys going a uh, horizontally pre-snap. It'll confuse these linebackers, Jalen Smith, Micah McFadden, Tate Crowder, who's been benched, which is crazy. All these guys will get confused, and then there'll be wide open holes for you. So there you go. Um, <laughs> they're gonna get a wild card, but if they introduce more downfield concepts. And if they start throwing the ball more on early downs against these good defenses, because the commanders have a very good run defense, the Colts have a good run defense that's on the giant schedule. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of t- Washington and um, Dallas and Philly. They have bad run defenses, but their passing defense is good. You need to be more balanced. You need to be more balanced as you start approaching these really good defenses that you are going to play. So if they can introduce more downfield stuff and throw more on early downs, Giants have a shot at the division too. They do. Yeah, I love to hear it because as a, as a New York guy, I am completely against Philadelphia. <laughs> and it was so nice to see them lose, even though it was Washington. But it was also nice to see Ron Rivera get that dub. Much needed yep. for him. But um, yeah, thank you for joining me, Justin. It was it was re- I really appreciate you coming on, giving your insight. Um, and yeah, if anybody. You know, wants to know more about the Giants? Give them a follow on Instagram, Twitter. I know you guys got a Facebook. Yeah, we're we're on, we're on Facebook too, and I'll and I'll even I'll even plug this too because since this is like our next our next project, uh, JM Football, John Boy Media Football, um, uh, on Instagram, on on Twitter, uh, and especially YouTube. You know, the check out check out the YouTube. We we post a bunch of shorts, and then Bobby Skinner also does some longer film breakdowns uh, a couple times a week as well. So if you're an NFL fan and not necessarily just a uh, just a Giants fan. Um, you know, you never know when we're gonna when we're gonna cover your favorite team or Bobby will talk about it, do a film breakdown on one of your favorite players. So John Boy Media Football, JM Football, go go check it out. Thank you. And uh thank you again for joining. That's Justin Pennick of Talking Giants, John Boy Media. And let's uh that's it. I'm signing out and let's go Giants this week against the Lions.